0: Welcome to the Movie Geeks United 20th Anniversary Celebration of City Hall, a searing political drama directed by Harold Becker, a terrific filmmaker whose previous credits include The Onion Field, The Boost, Malice, and Sea of Love, just to name a few. City Hall features an astounding cast of superb character actors, including John Cusack, Bridget Fonda, Danny Aiello, David Paymer, and Martin Landau and it's headlined by Al Pacino, who assumes a role he seemed born to play, the mayor of New York. Released on February 16, 1996, City Hall isn't the kind of movie you see much of nowadays in your multiplex, and to be honest, it was becoming a bit of a rarity even upon the time of its release. It tells an intricately woven story of political corruption, the kind of premise which is normally seen on screen through a filter of obvious black-and-white morality. But that's not how City Hall tells its story. Informed by Ken Lipper, the former deputy mayor under Ed Koch, and written chiefly by One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Scent of a Woman screenwriter bol Goldman, working from a previous draft by Paul Schrader and Nicholas Pelleggi, City Hall crafts a world where the stereotypical villains are replaced by good people, forced into compromise, and their pursuit of doing the right thing. We spoke with director Harold Becker about the film, its themes, its production, and its relevance to the political climate of today.
1: Ken Lipper, who is one of the producers on the film, was a deputy mayor in New York. The idea started with him because there was a scandal in New York involving a man named Donald Mains, Okay, he was the Queensboro president, a major figure in New York politics. And he was caught up in uh, a corruption scandal involving parking meters. Okay. All right? And that became the germ of, and that led to all kinds of um indictments, and he finally committed suicide. And he became, for us, the way you can call the Danny Aiello character, if you remember yeah. from the yeah. film. Who, uh, And there was always a thought that um, his suicide had been preceded, is what we were told, had been preceded by a visit from two captors in the mafia. Just as in our story, we have him getting a visit from the dawn. There was a script written by Oh well, I'm trying to remember now the script was written by
2: Schrader, Schrader and um, Schrader
1: and oh he's a wonderful writer too um, I'll get it, it was
2: uh, Pelleggi, Nicholas Pelleggi uh,
1: Nick Pelleggi, they had written a script, that's what Ken Lipper brought me um, I took it from there. I didn't want to do their script, and I brought in Bo Goldman, who wrote a new script for me from scratch, page one. Mm. Mm. And we worked on it for about six, went to New York, and with Ken Lipper as our guide, we met just about everybody in city, government, etc., cetera, etc, cetera, and uh, did a good research project, out of which come, came many things. One of the villains in the piece had a line which we actually quote in the film. He had that line about, there's black and there's white and all the shades of gray in between. We live in the gray. Mm. I don't know if you remember that. That's near the end. Of I, paraphrasing. I, I,
2: that's one of my favorite lines. I think that's the theme of the film. I
1: mean, if the film... Absolutely. Has a, yeah. Absolutely. And, and that was given to us by uh, this other uh, person who had actually served time for his involvement in the uh, corruption scandal.
2: I feel that this city is gonna explode. I am talking guns. I'm talking corruption. I'm talking 2,000 shootings a year. It all began with a shooting.
3: Got a shootout in Williamsburg. Yeah, there's two deaths, and they're connected, and that's all I know. That's all I wanna know. Kevin, you're my right hand. You're the mayor's right hand. Who do you think you are? Some gumshoe and a dime novel? Aren't you supposed to be the pipeline to the mayor? You should tell him somebody's taken him up the wrong street. Both of you, you want to stay way the hell away from this one. Whose side are you on? Yours. And I always will be, John. Just because this kid thinks he can elect you president, are you going to forget who got you here? I don't forget. I don't forget anything. Why don't you run for office instead of carrying the mayor's bag? I consider it an honor not only to carry his bag, but also to fill it at night with the things I think the city needs. Damage control, Kevin. Damage control. There was a palace that was the city. A palace in which there is no king, no queen, no princes or dukes, but subjects all beholden to each other to make a better place to live. This is an incident that will not go away. I choose to fight Kill this city. Our city is a palace again.
2: Well, let me start with Bo Goldman, because we've had uh, Mr. Goldman on the show and I love him. He, he seems like such a dear man and obviously oh, I love great, his work. and a great writer. And, and, and Tell me about the, the, the style of writing, because I, I love that these characters speak with such a rhythmic poetry, and I'm wondering if that was part of the flavor uh, of course. from the beginning.
1: From the beginning, name, Bo Goldman is a New Yorker, grew up in New York. He had the feel of the city, he, and with all the research we've done, he was able to pick up on the whole, but his, the lyricism in the writing, that's pure Bo Goldman.
2: Hmm. T- tell me a little bit more about the the research phase of it. You you spoke about the one gentleman. You oh spoke yeah, to that...
1: I think it was maybe maybe it was four. Before he put pen to paper, we must have spent three or four months. I said six, but more like three or four months in New York, going meeting all of these people who one way or another were involved. And I wouldn't say they were involved in this particular case, but they were part of New York politics. As I said, we had great entree through uh, Ken Lipper, who had been deputy mayor during the time some of this was taking place. Mm -hmm. So, I'd say we really, it was from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, Bo went off and wove it together. But we generally had an outline of what we were looking for, the plot line of it, the so-called, the unraveling. You know, it's like you pull one thread and the whole fabric starts to come apart mm. and we use the device of the child who's uh, caught in a crossfire and, and where that leads to so a lot of that was invented of course
2: you know what I love about the movie most is the the, the line that you just mentioned earlier in that these are generally these are good people that are trapped in a system that demands one compromise after another. And after a while, you find that you've crossed a line and you might not even realize it. Uh, And, of course, the mayor,
1: in that great last speech of his, um, says that. I Mm. mean, the mayor is a man of great compassion who really cares for the city. But in the wheeling and dealing, he crosses the line, unwittingly. But in the endless trading, in order to get things done, he gave up something he shouldn't have. It's as simple as that. Of course, this being a uh, piece of fiction, a film, we're able to sort of, you know, maybe in real life, uh, somebody would not have to fall on their sword. Who knows? But in our story, of course, it's his downfall.
2: And casting Pacino. Pacino is my creative idol. Uh, he always has been, uh, and and you were uh, going back a little bit. You played a very essential role in his career because after he took a six or seven year hiatus, you brought him back to the screen with Sea of Love. So you already had right. that relationship with him.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I was I was looking for another film to do with him. I mean, the the wonderful thing is we have a mayor in this story who, as you say, is a good man. And uh, I want somebody like Al could play that. He could play that ambiguity that was that. That is what reality is. There's no such thing as uh, anyone being pure as the driven snow. But it's basically all about heart. He really loved the city.
2: hmm And he's and there's uh, no, there's uh,
1: nobody better than Pacino to convey that.
2: Absolutely, particularly in regards to New York City, because
1: right, he's, exactly. already, to... he's
2: already kind of the mayor of New York City
1: in a way. Right, oh, exactly. Uh, that's what I was about to say. Uh, again, a pure New Yorker comes, mm-hmm. comes from the streets of the city.
2: Tell me, I'm, I'm interested in how he works and how you work with him, and I'll, I'll tell you one example I'm curious about. Uh, I used to uh, manage movie theaters in the mid uh, to late 90s, and at that time, I I was so excited about every Pacino movie that came out, and there were four or five trailers for City Hall, and I would watch each of them, and in each of them, they would include the, the kind of centerpiece scene where he speaks at the boy's funeral, and I would notice different readings of of his lines between each of those trailers, would he give you a wide variety of options to work with?
1: You know, if, if he did, if he does eight takes, mm-hmm. they'll all be different. Mm. Okay, yeah. and There are actors who will give you the same exact reading every time, and then you just stop after two or three because there's no point in going on. With with Al, there's always he'll, he's always finding more in it. Not necessarily in the words, but more in the intonation, in the, in the performance. He, he takes it and makes it his own. By time he invests in the character, he has become that character.
3: That boy was as pure and as innocent as the driven snow. But I must stand here because I have not given you what you should have until we can walk abroad and recreate ourselves, until we can stroll along the streets like boulevards, congregate in parks, free from fear, our families mingling, our children laughing, our hearts joined. Until that day, we have no city. You can label me a failure until that day. The first and perhaps only great mayor was Greek. He was, Pericles of Athens, and he lived some 2,500 years ago, and he said, all things good of this earth flow into the city because of the city's greatness. Well, we were great once. Can we not be great again?
2: And Mr. Cusack, who I think was a perfect co-star for Pacino, uh, because he's such an astounding talent in his own right. Uh, were you attracted to him uh, from from the earliest stage to, to pair up yes. with Pacino?
1: Yes. Yeah. I thought they were, they were a good contrast. And, of course, in our story, we underline the contrast. He's a man who's come from... Uh, South. If I remember correctly, he comes from Louisiana. He comes from places where politics are very important as well. But he's an outsider to the city, which is very important. And we always had the feeling, because New York is one of these places where, uh, as Bo would often say, the real real New Yorkers come from elsewhere. Hmm. I know it belies what I just said about Al being a New Yorker, and I'm a New Yorker, of course and we both have it under our skin. But there's something about the outsider that's what brings that fresh blood into the city.
2: And and speaking of the city, another great thing about the film is that it it captures a great feeling of the environment. You actually shot in a lot of real locations,
1: didn't you? Oh, of course. We were on the streets of the city. I shot the entire picture there and uh, some of it of course there is some studio work but the studio work is in in the city this is a New York movie and, right uh, and, and that was key to it from the beginning I mean it's it's a love letter to the city on the, on all of
2: our parts and you sh- you shot in the real city hall or
1: yes we did but actually we didn't shoot city hall is a, uh, it's, it's a A building has two wings. They're symmetrical. And we couldn't get into the mayor's wing. That was Giuliani was the mayor there. It was a very busy wing. But the uh, assemblyman, the councilman, that's right, the city councilman, gave us their chamber, which was a a duplicate. Hmm. So we were lucky that way. Hmm. So, yes, we shot at City Hall.
2: Did you find that the... Obviously, you spoke to many of them in your research, but did you find that the the political establishment in new york city that, that they were welcoming
1: of your? Oh party? yes, yes, very much so. first of all um they do love film in New York, and they do love Pacino and him playing the mayor. I think they all like the idea we've got a great cooperation
2: yeah I have a question about like the, the the nuts and bolts of filming certain scenes because there are several um scenes involving multiple characters at a at a breakfast table in a diner oh, yeah. uh, at, at a table in a restaurant. Tell me about the mechanics of, of shooting a scene with with so so many characters you have to 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 keep track of.
1: Uh, Is that difficult?: You see them around those tables. And then you figure out how to get these. <laughs> it, it is. It's a difficult kind of thing. You're absolutely right. You put your finger on something. Those are tough scenes to do. Yeah. Uh, because you you have to have your establishing and your pieces, but uh, and you have to have the coverage to get it. I know the scene you're doing, and it was actually shot in a luncheonette.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, That's one of the great scenes of the film. One of my favorite yeah. scenes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Daniel, he he another New Yorker who was absolutely marvelous
2: and and there's a scene that he shares with Pacino at the opera oh yeah
1: uh
2: that I think is one of the most astoundingly acted scenes in in the movie. It's a simple talking about compromise they're trying to cut a deal with each other
1: right, and we and shot you, that you on can... right there on that location well wow. I mean, we shot that right up at the uh the name of the it's, it's a it's a theater this it's a theater in lincoln center it's the theater at Lincoln Center I know it's twenty years later, but it's, as I'm talking to you it brings it all back I do think very well
2: <laughs> there had to have been uh, you had such a cast of great actors down to the 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 smallest supporting role uh it was just a beautifully cast movie it it had to have been just a tremendous joy this film
1: to me it was. It was one of my more pleasurable experiences. I mean, they're all tough to make, but this one I had great cooperation from the people at Castle Rock. They really gave me complete freedom to make the film so creatively, and I, you know, I'm one of the. I was really the producer as well as the um, director on the film, so I had a lot of control. So whatever is good is mine, and whatever is bad is mine. And, uh, but I did have that wonderful control that gave me the ability to do what I wanted
2: yeah and, and another collaborator on the film that I wanted to ask about because I'm a tremendous fan of of film scores and, and
1: you uh, oh, Jerry, which,
2: Jerry goes yeah. with
1: a close friend and, oh. uh, and you know we were looking for that uh, kind of Gershwin feeling and uh, oh. you know that and I thought he gave us a great score.
2: He really did. Tell me about the, when you work with composers in general, uh, because we do a lot of shows where, where we interview film composers, and I'm always interested in the relationship between the director and the composer, and what kind of dialogue goes on
1: between them? Well, it's a, hopefully it is a chemistry. Uh, But you 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 want to feel the composer is a partner in the filmmaking. I brought I brought Jerry in early on, so uh, it becomes his film as well. Mm. Uh, In other words, he's he's expressing himself just as as I am in the making of the film. I mean, he's writing the film in his own language, And, and. by the time he sat down and played, you're, you're always you know, the, uh, there's a moment, the truth, when it finally sits down and says, Here's what I think the score should be. And today, unlike oh, years ago, where they, played, they could play the score only on the piano for you, and you had to sort of imagine what it's going to be you know, with a full orchestra, they're able with the synthesizers to give you a pretty good idea of where they're going. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a very positive development. And and, and, uh, Gold,
2: um, and Goldsmith could compose anything. I mean, he did compose everything. Uh, he was so diverse.
1: Exactly. But he mm. he could he he had that great ability to get inside of the uh, piece.
2: Mm. Yeah. I want to ask about City Hall in relation to the politics we see today. I can't I,
1: I, It couldn't be more apt, could it?
2: <laughs> I know. And our original interview was slated for Tuesday, and that was the day of the New York primary. So I was thinking to myself, "Oh gosh, this would have been perfect for today, especially." <laughs> but, no. but what
1: comes into Well, what well you, know, you, politics, can say, you know what the irony is? It, it's it, it's uh, what's going on today is unimaginable, and what goes on what went on in City Hall was unimaginable. It just <laughs> goes on. I mean, <laughs> you have. Uh, of course, I think today it's much more exaggerated. But uh, without going into what's going on today, I think this gives you an insight into yeah. uh, into power and into what power means, what it what it equates with. The um, you know these people in positions of power, and it extends into every area because a mayor of New York is unlike, I think it's probably the only mayor of any big city, maybe Chicago is the same thing, where the mayor has a lot of the power is vested in his office. Mm-hmm. You know, in, oh, in different cities, mayors have different amounts of control of things. In fact, there are certain cities where there's a mayor and a, and a city manager. You know? But in New York, it, it it's almost, it's on an executive level, it's the closest thing to being the president of the United States. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but it, uh, on a miniature level, it's on the same, same focus. You have your city council, and you have your mayor's office. Interestingly enough, in the same building, one in one wing, one in the other. But the mayor exercises the norm, and he's also a great presence. It's nothing in New York for a mayor to turn up at a fire or in a major accident. Okay, now Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's it's a hands-on job. What do you think
2: the candidates today in this election cycle cycle um, could 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 learn or gain from watching something like City Hall?
1: Oh, if only. (laughs) if only I mean the moral lesson of course I mean which is carried in the tragedy of the piece which is his downfall is that uh, well you know there's that line when you sup with the devil uh, carry a long spoon and what you have in these kind of stories I guess in this one it's certainly an object lesson in how easily not easily but how subtly can corrupt you
2: Mhm, and yet what what I also love about the movie is it's closing and uh, and uh, some critics, I think, g- g- criticized the final scene. I always loved the final scene because it showed that that jo- that John Cusack believed that he could change the process within he yes, that he, that he
1: was not destroyed by this uh, uh, that yeah. he didn't become cynical as a result of this, and walk away from it, or whatever. The, um, and I guess the, the it's really a story about ambiguity, isn't it? That's a tough mm-hmm. one in film. Yes. People like to be served drama in simple black-and-white terms, good, good and bad. That's why we, when you mentioned that uh, you like that, Uh, line in it, black and white and all the shade, and and we live in the grays in between. But that's the profound thing. I mean, I guess it's true in all relationships. Right. Yeah, absolutely. uh, And I I thought uh, uh, that maybe people would have liked an ending or say a happy ending where where a mayor overcomes this because he's such a sympathetic figure. But I thought the power of the last scene, for me, the film uh, evo- oh, evolves right into that moment between the two of them in that room.
2: I think so, too. And do you think that Pacino's character, do, do you think that he got out of it? I mean, it's it's not explicitly shown, but do you think no, he kind of...
1: but it's all, it's written on his face. Yes. I mean, he... Uh, yeah. It's a wonderfully written scene as well, but the, the understatement, we didn't want to, it's, it's not a sentimental scene, it cuts through all that. Yes.
2: It still moves it is,
1: me when I see it.
2: It moves me too, because it has so many layers, and one of the layers is the kind of the culmination of the relationship between mentor and student, and the moment that the student becomes the teacher,
1: in a way. Right beautiful you know yeah. there's two major speeches in the film you can say that speech that we're referring to the end and the other one of course is the speech over the uh, dead boy mm-hmm. and i always thought going into it that the scene over the dead boy would be the climactic in terms of the in terms of heights and of course in you know as it turns out
3: this is the penultimate moment where you been he was looking for you half an hour ago. I'm trying to get through to Senator Marquand. Well, he got through to me. Yeah? They're moving the convention to Miami. Miami? Why? They like Miami. Lots of glamour. You got Whoopi Goldberg, Madonna just bought houses in South Beach. Who knows? Maybe we can nominate them. That thought it was all cut. Cut, not cut. politics, Pappy. Nothing's cut. Where are you going? I'm gonna pay my respects to Nettie Anselmo. Do you think that's wise? What's why it's got to do with it. Because the perception's going to Ah, be- oh, fuck perception. Perception. Talking menschkeit. Stuff between men. You know, the there that's there. A the thousand telephone calls. The bouquets and the brickbats. The space between a handshake. You know. Stuff that goes with you to your grave the space between a handshake for right and wrong why are you pressing me tonight what's up I'm looking for an answer you want an answer okay pappy think of it as colors there's black and there's white and in between is mostly gray that's us now gray is a tough color because it's not as simple as black and white and for the media certainly not as interesting but it's who we are
2: I I do have a favorite moment in City Hall, and it's a it's a performance moment. It's very subtle. It's a scene at that last conversation between he and John Cusack, and he says something to Cusack like, "Good to know you still believe in
3: me." Did I say that? I don't know. That's why I thought you did. Don't fathers listen to their sons? How is your father these days? This is
2: the kind of movie we don't get enough of today. A highly literate film of ideas. Could this movie have been made today?
1: I don't know if we can make it today. Yeah. I don't know. Do you? What do you think? It
2: it would be very difficult, and that that saddens me.
1: Today, this somehow has been transferred over into television land. But television has a way of um, maybe simplifying things. I mean, you have a, yeah. you have a series like House of Cards, but uh, this, this, this picture deals in the kind of subtleties that only film can give you. I
2: I actually I I, I do I love House of Cards, but I do, I do see too House, I I see House of Cards as more. The black and white version of of something like City Hall. I mean,
1: they're 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 villains, and they're you know they. But it's, it's much more, it's, and it's wonderful because Kevin Spacey is so great. But it's a bravura piece.
2: Yes, it's very delicious that that show. I mean, I, I enjoy it. But right. So tell me about. Uh, I, I want to ask you a, a couple of more very quick questions. Um, sure, because I've I've followed your work over the years with great interest. I love your films. Thank and, you. Uh, were you planning to, have you been trying to re-team with Pacino even since City Hall? Well, I thought I read we're, something We're about... hoping
1: to re uh, As we speak, we're working on something, and we're hoping to reteam on it, yes. Oh, so would hoping be beautiful. To make, I'm hoping to make it my next film.
2: Was, wasn't there talk about Rafifi at, at one time? Oh, there
1: was... And we, had, by the way, we had we had a sc- wonderful screenplay by Bo Goldman, and it just didn't come to pass. We had high hopes for it. Are, are,
2: were there films that you, uh, maybe political films or otherwise, that you that you watched when you're preparing City Hall, or do you normally avoid that?
1: Uh, no, I I don't I don't work that way. I don't do research in that way. For me, the research was. Uh, what I described to be for. Mm-hmm. The research was t- getting the script where we wanted to. I felt I I knew New York. I, I've done a lot of shooting in New York as well. And I, uh, I can say I know every street in the city. So it's, it's in my blood. I mean, even remember in Sea of Love, that's a New York movie too.
2: Yes, yes, it is.
1: I'm listen. I'm an admirer of wonderful films like All the President's Men, which I just saw again, and mm-hmm. they're, they're just wonderful. That was a wonderful political film, by, with great, great feeling and great cinematography in it. The references to political movies, I guess the one thing I will say, is an is in- an intelligent movie. That's usually, mm-hmm. That usually drives people away, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, 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 do, I love what you're saying, because when I think about it, when you started making films, there was no such thing as a DVD or a VHS. There was no way to kind of reference these movies except in your memory in large part. Uh, and I think that made you uh, uh, you and, and filmmakers like you so, so wonderful at what you did, because your movies weren't derivative of I- anything really that came before it.
1: Well, I guess I certainly feel if I'm, I wouldn't want to be going to see other movies that were like this, so to speak, or research yeah. this way, because uh, God knows, you know, you know how your mind works. <laughs> you might end up putting a scene in that you don't even realize you took from something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I figured if I didn't know New York by the time I did, I did City Hall, then something was wrong. <laughs> Well, I
2: I have to tell you I love the film, and, uh, and I really I, appreciate
1: I, talking to you about it. I hadn't realized it was twenty years already.
2: It doesn't it doesn't seem like it to me. Do, uh, does it to you? Does it feel like that was twenty no.
1: years ago? No. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, um, it's a film, and I, don't, I hope I don't sound immodest when I say this. It's a film that's worth watching again and again. Yes. And I feel that about any films that are worth watching. If they're worth watching once, they're usually worth watching more than once. There's, so much goes into a movie. It's impossible to get it the first time.
2: Just from the, the dialogue alone, I, I've watched it maybe a dozen times in the past 20 years. The dialogue alone, there's so much there. It's 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 so dense and it's with rich. insights. And, yes, very much so. And, I, and, you, and
1: you're right, Jamie. You're you, you can watch these things, and listen, uh, it's even like reading. I just, uh, not more than a year ago, I picked up Moby Dick and read it again. It was like I'd never read it before.
2: Hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I find that with the best movies. Like, for, for instance, I'm a big fan of Kubrick, and I find that
1: oh, when I watch a watch Kubrick movie
2: 20 years ago, and I watch it now, I'm a different person, and the movie
1: absolutely kind of changes. You see it effect. fresh. I mean, uh, I don't know how long ago, sometimes I'm spinning around on the dial on, you know, in the television, and up will come something, like Clockwork Orange came up, I don't know, maybe six months ago or more, and it was like I just discovered it. Mm. When I was first, you know, having started my my, my love affair with film uh, in New York, aside from there being a plethora of films coming in for foreign movies coming in, which influenced me a lot. Uh, this is in the sixties. They were just pouring in. We had New York, oh twelve fifteen, independent two two a train I'm sorry, uh, two uh, chains of theaters, Rugoff and Walter Reed just for beginnings. Between them they must have had about a dozen or more cinemas. And always new films coming up. Plus revival houses. It really was in the '60s and '70s. It was a, a renaissance.
2: You know, I watch a movie like Taxi Driver, and that is a snapshot of New York City at that time.
1: Oh, great! Yes.
2: City Hall is that a snapshot of New York at a certain time? Do you think, and has it oh, changed absolutely. in the
1: years since? You know, but like any anything worth watching, it it it's still. I want the right word. They're timeless in a way.
2: Mhm. I adore the film. Uh,
1: Thank you I, so I, much.
2: I adore you. I think I'm going to run so it again much. tonight.
1: <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah, you so I'm much, Jamie.
2: Hoping, hoping that everyone that listens to this show gets, runs out, and
1: gets it right I now. I hope to so too.